Resiliency Within with host Elaine Miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit traumaresourceinstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine Miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine Miller-Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I'm your host, Elaine Miller-Karras, and my show today will address the human toll of fire disasters and how we can help um, and heal kids and families. I also want to let you know that we're also on Facebook Live, Resiliency Within, if you want to watch Scott and I as we go through today's program. So let's talk a little bit about fires. Fires are devastating to communities and to children, teens, and adults. And it's, it's difficult sometimes to grapple not only during the fires, but then to survive and recover. The West Coast of the United States right now reported nine large fires on Saturday in California, Idaho, Montana, and Oregon. The 87 fires still active in 13 states have consumed more than 1.7 million acres. Close to 3 million acres have been scorched since the start of 2021. And we know that there are a couple right now, um, which I think it's close to, as I said, 3 million acres have been scorched. But in Southern Oregon, the bootleg fire has become the largest active blaze in the country. Um, The 413,000 acre inferno was uh, contained at about 56% as of Saturday night. But the Dixie fire is directly impacting my guest today. And it is approximately 248,820 acres with 35% containment as of August 2nd. The stark reality is we cannot expect the wildfire threat to ease anytime soon. The nation will continue to see more intense wildfires, stated Oregon Governor Kate Brown last week. We can learn from communities like Butte County's Paradise, California, destroyed by the campfire in 2018. Many people sadly lost their lives, but the community of Butte County gathered during and after the tragedy to rebuild. I was very fortunate to be invited to come up there and spent a lot of time one, one amazing week just seeing the capacity of this community to gather together to try to recover from the devastation. But they are again facing this Dixie fire. And so I have today my guest, Scott Dinitz, and he um, works as the Human Resources Director for the Boys and Girls Club of the North Valley and is also a co-director of the Ability First Sports Camp in Butte County. He is a steering committee member of Butte Thrives, Butte Thrives exists to support and expand community-wide policies and practices that promote resiliency and address the impact of childhood trauma across all generations. Scott will address the impact on children and families caused by the fires and how through working with programs promoting wellness, healing can occur. He is certified in the community resiliency model and is an ACE interface master trainer. Well, Scott, thank you so much for being here, knowing that the fires are in your community again. And how are you and your family doing with all that's going on right now? I want to check in with you first. Oh, Elaine, well, thank you. And to all the audience members out there, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, may um, you find that impact and that peace and that well-being. 
me and my family were hanging in there. We're do we're doing well, you know. Um, my wife's a teacher. I'm at the Boys and Girls Club and support other community agencies. Our children are hanging in there, um, and so we feel fortunate um, to be okay. Um, and we're able to help family and friends, and just have a great network of support around us um, that can give us support if needed, because we all need it sometimes, and also that we can rally with and support others when it's needed. Um, so, so humble to be here with you. Elaine. Well, I'm so grateful that you're able to join me, and I wanted to ask you if there's anything right now helping you and others get through this recent fire. You know, it's it's tough because you know, whether it's, there's the fire, right? We're getting to the end of summer, at least break off of school, school's gonna be starting. There's still COVID, there's still life. So there's always things going on. Um, and I think personally, uh, my wife, my children, we've been really trying to see the other truth that's out there. Um, right now the fire, although, you know, relatively close, it's still far enough away to where we are not in an evacuation zone, et cetera. I have coworkers, I have uh, dear friends that have family members in the main Dixie area of Quincy and, and around that have been evacuated. Um, but with us in our area, a lot of it has been the, the smoke, right? The, the, the things bubbling up again that remind us of the past fires and situations um, that happened in Paradise and Miguelia and Cohasset and the surrounding areas um, and the, the organizations I support, you know, seeing the kids and the staff that went through so much um, over, you know, three years ago, yes, with the campfire, but, but after, right, there's been a lot, including other fires near and dear to home. Um, and so I think it's been me and my family being able to see another truth and even through the smoke even through the uncertainty, even through that precarious time of, you know, my three-year-old, what does that sound on the radio, dad? And it's the emergency, right? And they're, they're the evacuation warnings and then the TV stops and the evacuation warnings and realizing there is another truth. So we want to validate the challenging time, but we've just been there for each other, you know, some board games, some gardening in our front yard garden, uh, a little bike ride, you got to pick and choose, like, is it too smoky? Is it okay for us to go outside? But still really trying to find that togetherness and still do things that give us joy. Because even in tough times, we know that's when it's even more important to do things that give us a little bit of joy so we can be our best self if we're responding in the field and for other people that need it more than us. Um, so we're just trying to find that balance, find that balance. Well, and I love that you said what else is, you know, what, what else is true? The, uh, the uh, additional truth that is happening at the same time as, I guess, fear. And so doing some of those activities that are just the simple activities of daily living, like you said, board games or doing gardening, if you can, that that can help with just getting through the time when there is so much uncertainty. But I, I imagine, too, there may be people listening that don't have the luxury because maybe there a number of homes have burned down. And I know I was talking to someone in Southern um, Oregon last week, and they told me that in one school, 80, 80% of the kids had lost their homes. And I know that that was, there was a lot of dynamic things that, that were happening um, in Butte County in 2018 during the campfire. So what are some of the things that 
you might be able to impart to people uh, that what is important to pay attention to regarding children right now, if they don't have those activities of daily living like you're fortunate to have, what would you recommend? I know you've done a lot with the Boys and Girls Club. Oh, um, and of course, I just want to name, there is no magic wand, right, Elaine? I mean, and I think that understanding is, is important as a father, as a, as a friend, as a person who supports organization that works with hundreds of kids um, at our Boys and Girls Clubs throughout our community. We have 11 different locations and, you know, we had 400 plus kids we served in, in Paradise and Megalia that overnight lost their living spaces. Um, and so my heart goes out to Oregon and all the other places that are experiencing fires. And then, of course, throughout the, not only our country with floods and hurricanes and other things, but around the world with the other fires and uh, traumas that we see. Um, and I think that's a key thing is we don't necessarily always know what's going to work. There is no magic wand. And coming coming to the table with that open um, and that willingness to try to learn what works with one kid might not work for another. All of a sudden you say something and it aggravates or maybe triggers one kid and their, their little memory capsule. And for another one, it worked perfectly and, and it's, and it's okay. Um, and all we can do is learn and grow through that experience. Um, coming with empathy and with understanding and knowing that we don't need to solve it, you know, that weight on our shoulder we can't solve the, the fire that's 240,000 acres and 33% contained, right? Hopefully, the, the nature, the weather, and the amazing heroic firefighters and all the EMS service providers, shout out to my cousin Bailey, I'm thinking of you out there in the field, and all the other firefighters. So that hopefully will be controlled. Um, but what we can do is how we show up. And being ready for the unexpected, being ready to see those things boiling up, I think, Elaine, is, is a big part of it. And then the tools, the tricks, the programs, what we offer and how we create space, that's, I'm sure, I know we'll talk about that, but how we show up is so important. So you know, we often say um, in the model that I've helped create, the community resiliency model, put that oxygen mask on first. Because if we're out of our zone, I think what's hard is that oftentimes people who are the helpers in a community also may be losing their homes. You know, we've seen that with firefighters on the front and then they come home and their, their home is gone. So I think that that's, you know, it's really a talent you know, to have that, but to show up and the ways that you are and sometimes the very act of helping is the thing that keeps you motivated and present in that present moment to help that child. And maybe it's doing something, because sometimes people think they have to talk about well, tell me how you lost your home. But sometimes they just want to play a game. They want to just do something that's ordinary. And if you are working in a shelter, do having those kinds of activities can go a long way in helping just pass the time. Because I thought sometimes I think people don't understand there's just the passage of time and the not knowing that adds to the uncertainty. So I don't know if you want to say anything more about that. Because I mean, I know that with the Boys and Girls Club, you know, what are those activities that you did? And, and that you are doing now for the children. You know, Elaine, when you, you really made me think back to, to when the campfire hit and there were so many different agencies trying to support people while everything really shut down. 
right? Because our area was hit so hard. It was, it was dark out there during the day and there was so much smoke to where schools and places and other areas shut down. And what you said about the shelters and sometimes being able to have a diverse group at those shelters and emergency response uh, crisis centers really helps. And I'll never forget this one mom and her, her, her sister who came and they came to our Boys and Girls Club in Chico that opened up for all day services um, you know, and we had art therapy and animals and counselors and then games and play. And I'll never forget this mom and her sister saying, I've been at the crisis center. I now need to wait in line at the, the postal service to change my, to get my a PO box so I can get mail because our house burnt down. And she said, my son being here now, he doesn't need to wait in line for six hours and see the trauma of all the other adults and to see everyone navigating a system that they don't know how to navigate. So just being able to offer kids a place and a space where they can have a little fun, be a little scared, be around kids and just do have a little bit of sense of normalcy while their parents or guardians or whoever is taking care of all those unknowns I do think that is really important and it, it doesn't just help the kids. It lets that parent or guardian feel I can now go meet with someone and fill out paperwork. I don't know how to fill out and cry on the shoulder of a caseworker and, and not have to be such a solid rock for my child in that moment. Um, so that, that is definitely something important for those immediate response crisis centers and other things. Um, I know the insurance and the safety and all those things are the must, but there's the other side of how do we create those spaces for kids and families so they can take care of those things in a more trauma-informed and resiliency healing-focused manner. Well, you know, and I love, you know, you're speaking my language, trauma-informed and community-focused. So I know that you're a community resiliency model teacher, and I'm just wondering if the skills of the community resiliency model are and other skills that I know that you have as well, Scott, because I met you the first day I came into to uh, Butte County. And I, I so remember your energy and your enthusiasm of just trying to say, we got to figure out some more things to help these kids. I mean, I just remember you so clearly. So can you illuminate us a little bit about how that might be helpful? You know, kids are going to show up and they're going through different things. Some are, maybe are evacuated right after the fire and don't know if their home is still there. Some know right away. Um, some are dealing with the loss of animals and experiencing that sort of loss for the first time. Um, their friends, their schools, there's all that. Um, and so I think having the multiple layers in place, you know, not all of us need to be certified therapists and counselors, right? And rightfully so. So having people that can provide that level of service of intention and empathy and games and play, having another layer, right, of service if a kid is showing signs of um, that makes us work, right? This person now needs a different layer of support, maybe a more certified um, counselor or therapist or person, right? And then there's the creative arts and the create creative therapies, whether it's drumming and music and arts and play and art therapy. And so we really infused it all. Um, and so I think there are different layers. And for us to come not assuming 
what these kids, what one kid might need, right? And so it's just meeting them where they're at, having the options and the people. And it just a reminder, folks, it might not just be your agency. You don't, you are not alone. There are people that want to help. We did it with the help of others and learned from others. We are here to help other people. I am just speaking from experience and things I've seen. And, and that is one thing I truly do know is you are not even when you might feel like your agency or you and your role are in this on your own, you're not. And so reach out, um, get other people uh, there to support you. Um, Cause as Elaine was saying in the community resiliency model, it's not, it's not just the airplanes. As a kid, I never knew what that really meant. Why would the adult put their face mask on first? Then I had kids and I realized why. And then you go through different crises and you realize why that's so important, right? If I can't breathe, I can't help my kids breathe. And so also be willing to take a step back for yourself because usually the people that are the most affected are the ones helping. And then you just, you're in go mode and you keep going and you keep going and you're working 13, 14, 15 hours a day. And at one point it hits you like a brick wall. And you didn't even know it was there because you weren't paying attention. Um, and so reach out for help and just be prepared. Let's just give people a little bit more grace. Let's, let's, the kid might say something that's a little bit rude. They might, uh, the parent or guardian or the kid might not want to do your program. It has nothing to do about you. You're amazing. Your program's awesome. They're going through a lot. And so you also kind of need to be prepared for those things, right? And you're doing magnets with kids, art magnets, and it's going great. And next, and this is a real story. I remember it years ago and, and it was going great. And all of a sudden you say, these are magnets maybe you can put on your refrigerator, right? A statement you can't, it was said. And all of a sudden a kid looks at you and says, I hate this rock and throws it down. I don't have any refrigerator to put it on. My house burnt down, right? And, and so they were enjoying it. They hear something. Now they're not in their okay zone, right? Those things are going to boil up and come up. And it's just how we navigate through that with more intention and more empathy and more awareness and support. So, Well, you know, when you talk about this, I can see that what, you're, what I hear you say more than anything is the flexibility of the people that are showing up to help, that Again, what one one child may be helped by one thing and another, and that maybe you inadvertently say something that wasn't intentional, and then all of a sudden the child is really struck by the grief of having lost his home. But I think I'm hoping that our listeners can also see that it's 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 complicated because sometimes we may see on the news, and the news only shows us the drama. They don't show us the the living of it in terms of what happens in those shelters and how a kid might react a certain way, and that I think that having resources for the helpers can certainly be um, effective for the children as well. But I know that in your community, one of the things that I was really impressed was the number of stakeholders that came together and really were trying to work collaboratively. And I have to do a shout out to the North Valley Community Foundation because they sponsored, for example, the, the teacher training. Can you say a little bit about their involvement and your involvement with the, the community and how important that has been in the aftermath of the fires, as some of our listeners may be thinking, well, how are we going to rebuild? Yes. And, and that's a big question and it's, and it's tough and it's long, the rebuilding process. And it's something a lot of people don't realize in the heat of the moment, having 
a strong community-based presence of individuals, organizations, nonprofit, for-profit government, and people really getting together. And for all of us to say how we used to work, that might not work anymore for our response, right? So even if we already were working collaboratively, we need to work collaboratively that much better. Let's break down those silos and having community foundations, the North Valley Community Foundation with open ears, they want to hear, they want to learn, and they want to meet the needs of the community. And when they uh, saw you come up and then brought you back, Elaine, and your amazing agency and team members, it was, this is something, example, the Trauma Resource Institute and the Community Resiliency Model, how can we get people things where they can increase their capacity for themselves, their families, their organization, and then teach things that give people their own self-capacities, right? And that's what I love about this model is the Community Foundation, they brought this model so that it wasn't just the 35 trainers doing the work and, you know, the hospital or the Boys and Girls Club and the school. It was us then bringing it to the community and everyone learning little tips and little tricks and understanding wellness and resilience in a different way that makes it accessible, obtainable. And then once you learn the foundation of the okay zone and different ways that um, our brains and systems work, now you can say, oh, this might've not been in the model, but um, oh, calm. Well, they have meditation, they have this. How does that relate to grounding? How does that relate to resourcing? And you just see the dots connecting for people in different ways. Once these practices of self and community care and wellness, all of a sudden it's just the catalyst to so much more. Um, so definitely reach out to your community foundations and other entities that are doing similar work. And then how can we leverage our collective strength um, to do even more together? So, you know, the, this collective strength that you're talking about, and I mean, I know there's also something that you're very involved with, which is called Butte Thrives. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about Butte Thrives and how it came to be. And I know you're a member of this, so um, let us know about it, what this is all about. Long, long story short, and it's transition to Thrives through okay. the Community Foundation. Yes, Thrives. We don't just hate um, Thrives. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, many years ago, there was a, a collective group of people that were focusing um, on adverse childhood experiences, ACEs and trauma um, in, in children. And, um, you know, it's everywhere. We all deal with our own adversities and ACEs and our county um, is definitely affected by it uh, prior to the fires or the dam and COVID and everything else. Um, and so there was a group of amazing individuals that wanted to focus on ACEs and ACE awareness and trauma-informed care and how uh, creating more awareness within it can, can lead to change in our community. And as that grew, more people came on board that team and it expanded into a true community collaborative. And uh, once again, I am diminishing the work of so many people um, that stood up and said, we need to do something different. Our community, our people, our systems deserve something different. Um, and then when the fire hit, that even broadened the network, right? Because um, now it wasn't just about ACEs and trauma. 
Now it was about fire and natural disaster and other traumas that all affect our community. People of all ages and especially our youth, our kids, our children. Um, and uh, the foundation took that project on and now embraces Thrive. And so the Thrive Initiative is really a hub of community engagement, community awareness making, and different training awareness opportunities around ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, community resiliency model, and a lot of other systems of support that can address community needs in a collaborative way, reflecting on the self-healing communities and looking at all aspects from adult care to ACEs to homelessness to natural disaster responses to teen suicide and youth suicide um, and having a group that can serve as a hub and a liaison to so many others in the community just feel really blessed to be a part of it and see how, you know, Margaret Mead, I might be getting the quote wrong, but never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has, right? It's one of my favorite quotes too, Scott. I love that you just mentioned Margaret Mead because it's true. And I see that when I, I was so humbled when I came to Paradise and Butte County and saw just the dedication that people had and this spark to say, this has happened to us. Other things have happened to us, but it is going to make us look at life in a different way and have maybe a new normal or a better normal, maybe that's a better way to say it, but I love that you called it Thrive. So I want our, our, our listeners to know that we're going to take a short break and that when we come back, Scott and I will talk a little bit more about the specifics about, you know, what to do if kids are afraid, what to do if, for example, you know, you mentioned the smell of the smoke, you talked about a memory capsule, people may not know what that is. So we're going to do a deeper dive about how to help families and how to help children and as you know, the Boys and Girls Club do all over America, it's so important that we really help the children because these kinds of traumas can leave an imprint on them. And if we don't help them, to help them restore their sense of themselves and their community, it can have long-lasting effects on their life into adulthood. And that's why I think Thrive is so important because it's looking at the whole umbrella of adverse child experiences and not those first 10 that were more about the kinds of adverse experiences that happen within a household. So, um, And we'll be talking more with Scott as we return. So we'll take a short break. This is Elaine Miller-Karis from uh, Resiliency Within talking to Scott Dennett from Butte County Boys and Girls Club. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma informed and resiliency focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. 
Elaine Miller-Karis book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models, is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at elaine at resiliencywithin.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Elaine Miller-Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life. Your health. Your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back with Scott Dinitz from the Boys and Girls Club of Butte County, helping us to learn more about how we can support children and families as a result of the terrible campfire that um, affected their community three years ago, but also they're being impacted by yet another fire. He has a lot of good ideas of how to help children and families. So we're going to just turn questions back over to Scott. So Scott, let's talk a little bit about this because I know that when I was up in in Butte um, after the campfire, I did a lot of teaching of the science, and I know you're very well-versed in the science, not only of of ACEs and the science of the community resiliency model. So can you tell us a little bit about the science and why you think this is important for kids and parents? Because I know you do a lot of of courses, too, for parents. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what are the specifics of the science that are helpful? Well, not to get into a science lesson, right? And by, by all means, folks, I am not a scientist. Um, but it's so important to realize basic understanding that sometimes what we do or how we respond to a situation, in that moment, we truly might not be fully in control, right? The way our mind works. And Elaine said something about the amygdala earlier. And so... Um, when we talk about the community resiliency model, a lot of times when it comes with parents and kids, it's a basic and people working with youth, it's just a basic understanding of like, we have this okay zone, right? 
And so throughout the day, I want to be in this zone as much as I can be. Um, and that's when I'm flowing. I've heard kids call it the flow zone, the okay zone, the resiliency zone, the happy zone, whatever. If you're a surfer, call it the, the big wave zone. I don't know. Um, but that is where we're okay, right? And, and we're not naive here. We go through a lot. So you can be sad and angry and tired and excited and happy and everything else in between, but still be in your zone where you can respond with intention, be your best self. And at times we can get bumped out of it, right? Up high or down low. And that's where the science comes in. And so a lot of times based on what we experience, there's little memories that sometimes we truly know we have. And sometimes we don't even realize we have them. And I'm trying to keep the science pretty simple, y'all. Um, and those memories can come up sometimes when it's least expected. And, you know, three weeks ago, don't quote me, but um, I think it was around three weeks ago when the most recent for in our area, the Dixie fire came. I'm driving up the hill to go support our staff in McGillian Paradise on the ridge. And, you know, they had already, we had had some texts from kids and staff that were nervous and the smoke was coming in and I'm driving and I instantly, you know, I'm like, wow, this is going to really create some feelings of anxiousness. Maybe some people that are truly afraid, do they need to flee, right? Are we have people getting stuck because the smoke was literally rising. It looked over the same ridge near the same spot of the fire three years ago. And it, it was so similar. And so you have these people that literally had to flee something three years ago for survival and experience so much loss. And in that moment, for some, the smell of it, the sight of the smoke, that triggered memories that in that moment, people felt were present and literally in that moment of danger, um, even though the fire wasn't right around them uh, because of the way it looked, because of the way it smelled. And that did make some kids feel um, really nervous, had all of a sudden more parents and guardians calling and, you know what, our bags are packed and we're already getting ready prior to any type of evacuation notice or warning. And luckily it didn't hit that area that we were in with our kids. And so it was because of the smell, right? Um, and that's what's difficult about fires, right? Um, where you could, I mean, I'm pretty sure that some of the air and smoke from Oregon hit New York two weeks ago, let alone our area. So um, just the smell, that emergency notice on the radio, right then and there, there might be some people that don't understand why did my body tense up? Why did I all of a sudden start crying? Right. Why did I all of a sudden start yelling um, at my loved ones to get the animals in the darn farm? I don't know. Well, well, then they can have an answer. And I think that awareness really can help people stop the judgment on themselves and others, because quite often we think, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? To Well, what's happening? What's going on here? And what can I do about it? And so it really shifts the perception on oneself and others when you think, oh, I'm doing this or they might be doing this because of something that is going on in their mind and their body. And that is totally and okay so, and reasonable. And so that what Scott just explained, I saw was one of the most important things 
when I was up there to explain the amygdala, which is your body's appraisal system. And what, how, why does the, the amygdala remember things? To keep us alive. So when we have had difficult things like a fire and been in a fire and had losses and we smell the smoke, the amygdala sounds an alarm inside of our nervous system saying, get the heck out of here. This is dangerous. And we can be flooded with a sense of fear. We can have what you said, like the flight response. But if people don't know that they can say, is there something wrong with me? But no, it's the way that we're designed in terms of seeking safety to keep us alive. So when we have that that framework, it changes us. Go ahead. What do you want it, to say? It does, Elaine. And, and let's just think about that for a moment, folks, right? We need that. So we're not, we need the amygdala. We need, to, and things get passed down, right? Like there's a reason why I hear a car when I'm crossing the street with my son or daughter, and I look both ways, right? We need that survival mechanism. However, when it's kicked on because of something, a memory, we want to be able to realize that and then practice different skills and techniques to get us back to our okay zone, to get us back to our baseline, because we deserve to feel okay. Our kids deserve it. Our parents and guardians are helpers. And if we don't realize that, oh, I'm in survival mode and I don't even realize it, then I'm going to be walking around all day on survival mode and it's even harder to get back down, right? And so that understanding of the amygdala and the memory, and then we just need to say, hold on, can I take a step back? Do I need to feel afraid right now to the point of true survival? And then there's that assessment, right? And if the answer is no, it's like, then there's that validation of, okay, I feel this way because, and that's okay. Now, how can I create another truth? So I and so, it. and that's a cognitive process, right? Yes. To say, oh, well, do I need this? But your, your body may still be reacting. And so that's that present moment body awareness that we talk about in the community resiliency model that becomes so important because that's sometimes the only thing that can bring us into the present moment. So what are some of the body awareness skills, Scott, did, have you felt are helpful for, for parents and children? It's, you know, when you, when you bring it to a basic level, and I've done parent guardian, um, you know, workshops with the community resiliency model with other wonderful people like Kelly and other trainers and our case managers. I've uh, we've started to do CRIM, well, of course, all of our staff at the Boys and Girls Club, but with our teens and our kids in different ways. And it's really helping people go from what we're thinking about, because, right, we're people. We can get caught up in our thoughts. And all of a sudden, you go down the slippery slope in that quicksand of judging our feelings or why am I thinking this or the, the smoke, the fire. And all of a sudden, that's all we're seeing on the news and that's all we're thinking about. And that doesn't help us calm down and get back to our okay zone or baseline. And so it's really helping people be mindful of their bodies and their sensations. Like I know for me, if I'm starting to feel um, anxious, but with that feeling like butterflies up here, pain or tenseness in my shoulders or in my back, I had a back injury years ago. The moment I start feeling that, that's a signal for me of like, hold on, take a step back, Scott. What, what's going on? You're getting a little bit too amped up. You're getting a little bit too upset. So it's helping parents and guardians and kids realize 
what might they be feeling? You know, is there a kid? We're pretty observant, right? Like, is Johnny, let's, I'm making up Johnny. Does Johnny usually walk around like this, excited and open? And next thing you know, one day you see Johnny and Johnny walks into the door and Johnny's fist, fist clenched and kind of tense. Well, we need to, we want to be able to see that and then identify that and ask some observant questions to Johnny. And so it's helping kids learn what they feel. Is their stomach hurting? Is this? And, and we as adults, guess what? Let's stop assuming. Because, yeah, it's easy to think, oh, the kid's hungry or their stomach's upset because of what they ate. What if their stomach's upset, but it's because they're scared or sad or tired? We don't know if we assume. So let's start asking more questions to really see where people are at. And, and that process, that can really lead to some. And so we call that tracking or reading the nervous system. Yes. So it's not only, like you were saying, you read your own nervous system when you get tense and then you do something. And so, but that, that's a skill, right? So you might want to ask the child, if you're noticing those, those different ways that they're walking into a room, you know, what's going on with them. Because you can help them through the skills, for example, might say, well, you know, you tell me your, you know, your belly's hurting. Is there any place that's not hurting? And they'll go, well, my shoulders are okay. They might think that's a kind of a weird question, but, they, but, then, they'll, but then they kind of get it because you're going to explain it to them, right? Yes. And so then you can see whether or not that belly ache is, all, is leaving them. They go, well, I feel better now. Because kids often somaticize their experiences, right? With, with belly aches, with all sorts of headaches, all sorts of things. So if we can start looking at the kind of total mind-body picture when we're talking to kids, then we sometimes can help, like what you're saying, Scott, with those questions that then can give us kind of a better, almost like a temperature check, right? Yeah. About some things that you might be able to help them with. And so then you come in, like, for example, you said the creative arts, and we know that drawings, for example, children like to draw. And if they don't like to draw, they may want to go out and play dodgeball. Who knows what it is? Do the kids still play dodgeball? They did when I was a kid. Oh, they do. Oh, yeah. We oh, yeah. So good. Yeah, I was going to say the boys up there. Club. Yeah. But I mean, those kinds of things, because it's observation, not yes. only of the kid, but also of yourself. Yes. Because there's some kids that get to us, right? We're going to go, oh, that kid's amped up again. Oh, I, you know, and then we say, wait a second. What if I calm myself down? Yes. And this is not only for the helpers, but for parents. Go ahead, Scott. I know you. Yeah, and that, you know, now I wish we had time to do a mini crim training, Elaine. But <laughs> when, when we think about that, it's I'm so proud of the people in our community that are doing this work and coming forth in a more trauma informed, resiliency focused, healing way. And I, and I got to brag about the Boys and Girls Clubs of the North Valley staff and ability for sports staff and how we show up and how our incredible staff members that are working with our kids every day, because maybe they're not thinking about we're, we're doing crim right in this moment, but it's enough awareness about it to where I see before they start activities, there might be all the kids doing their own, you know, pseudo drumming circle and they're all drumming on the table getting that energy out, or maybe we're not doing a full yoga wellness session, but before the tutoring or the science program or the transition, they're all doing a mindful moment breath, right? They're all putting their hands out and bringing it in and breathing in and letting out. And so I really, I'm seeing that change and seeing people implementing, 
I'm going to proactive, proactive crim skills before sessions even start, right? So that maybe we can't ask all 30 students or, or members immediately how everyone's doing and have that intentional one-to-one, right? But we can set a tone for where, whether you're in your okay zone or out of it, right? That doesn't matter. Let's all take a moment to recenter, right? And then let's all drink a glass of water. And y'all, these are all hope now skills in the model. And all of a sudden, all we did was drink a glass of water, do a little stretch, do some yelling and drumming. And guess what? The kids got to get whatever energy out together. They got good role modeling from the adults in the room working with them. And just by doing that, it's a different tone set. And now most likely we're prepared for success when we start moving forward with the activity or module or whatever lesson is going to take place in the classroom or in that expanded learning activity. So there's certain things you could literally incorporate so easily every day um, if we're intentional about it, you know, and it's not just, and sometimes it needs an explanation. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, we can just say everyone let's, let's, let's think about, you know, something that you love and enjoy. Let's drink some water. You do a stretch, two minutes later, there's a whole different calm in the room, right? And so what you're talking about are strength-based approaches. I really want our listeners to really understand that because even asking, you know, a drink of water or a stretch, I mean, and also moving the body. And I think this has been left out of a lot of, a lot of say, interventions about well-being is that people have often asked us to change our way of thinking and not necessarily knowing. For example, I love the drumming because when you're drumming, you're moving your, you're moving your arms. You often are using your whole body. And we know that if you're like stuck in the high zone or a low zone, that when you move the, your extremities, you actually can help your, your, um, your body get into a more regulated state, your nervous system. You may even take a deeper breath as you're drumming. You actually may even have some, an excitatory response, but you really feel like you're in your zone and you have a sense of well-being. So starting with that, you help the kids that are kind of feeling low and depressed or the kids feeling like too amped up, Right to all come back into the zone because that same intervention works for kids that are, that are um, ramped down and the kids that are amped up. So, I mean, that's beautiful what you're doing. And this is important to do not only, you know, if you're at a shelter and there's some things that you can do for kids in terms of that kind of movement activity, but also in the recovery process, because I think if maybe you can even speak a little bit to that, because we know the recovering process for fires as big as what happened um, in the campfire, it's not going to be over in a week or two. It's going to last for a long time. So can you tell us about the ongoing process of what you all are doing in your community to help the community recover? It is a it's a process, right? Here we are, nearly three years later, and there's still there's much more to do um, than has been done, and yet so much has been done, and so much recovery has happened. And you know, we have a case management department here at the Boys and Girls Club. There are incredible case managers in our community supporting people with their rebuilds and navigating the system um, and and the uncertainty of it. Um, and, you know, it's uh, how do we as a community continue to provide support that creates hope 
when sometimes people are a little hopeless. Yeah. You know, the, the check hasn't come, the insurance hasn't settled, the whatever it is. And so I think sometimes how do we just create a sense of hopefulness and support in people that really rightfully so at times feel like there, there is no hope. Their whole lives are turned upside down and people have moved away or this and that. And, and then how do we infuse these practices? Because it can be a, a, a really frustrating situation. And I have some dear friends who have lost homes and I, I see it firsthand with our case manager teams and, and the community rebuilds where, you know, you have all some great successes and then you hit so many roadblocks as well. And there are so many people still struggling. Um, I think that you really put your finger on it is like, how do you create hopeful moments? Yeah. Yes. And, and even through that struggle, validate that we can never not validate it because the struggle is real folks. Right. But also helping people see whatever other truth is there. Right. Even if that's 30 minutes of being in a space with someone that's willing to listen and help them when they were just in a space feeling no one was. Well, then letting that create a different reality. I I mean, I'm a firm believer if someone is stuck and they're they're in a state of, you know, hopelessness or they're out of their zone and they're stuck in it, even if they're able to be in their zone for 10 minutes, that's better than that's better than not. And then that 10 minutes can become a few hours, et cetera. But it's I think sometimes we forget and it's not just kids, but adults is when people are amped up and in a different place, right? And maybe that survival mode or something took over and then we're trying to navigate the system and we're trying to have an intentional conversation. Most of that isn't even computing. So being able to take a step back and maybe we go on a, maybe we usually wouldn't do this, but maybe we can and and we go on a walk with that person. Hey, do you want to take a little walk? And we just take a walk and we drink some water and maybe we don't even talk much or maybe we do, maybe we look at the trees, but just by doing something to help that person calm down a little bit will lead to us being able to do our jobs, whatever that is, in whatever sector, a little bit more effectively for that person. Um, Because the recovery process can be frustrating and stressful. And if someone's up here, a lot of that work we want to do isn't even going to connect unless we get them to a place where we can move forward. Like they're nervous. We call it nervous system regulation. And sometimes that happens, just like you said, from that simple walk or that drink of water. So, you know, the other thing that I was impressed upon when uh, I was impressed with when I went up to um, your neck of the woods, and that was like the faith-based communities really came to play. I don't know if you want to touch about, because I've often seen that sometimes what helps people the most get through is their faith and not necessarily um, it could be their faith in nature. It could be their faith in a certain religion. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that, um, Scott, what you've seen up there? It's, it's incredible. Um, the faith-based communities, um, the service groups, whether it be the Lions Club or, or the Elks Lodges, etc., to see people come together, to be in their lane and broaden it, and then to work together, right? And so these agencies do what they do well. They've expanded it quite often. But then posting flyers 
from other agencies that might relate to the people that are in that building and might not know it, right? The food shelters helping other agencies that might not usually have food, but it's easier not to go to seven different places to get services. So now it's seven different services in one place. It's really (laughs) incredible to see that. So some of the competition kind of dissipated, right? And you see coming together in ways that you're going, oh my goodness, that organization is talking to that organization. They never did that before. Well, Scott, I I knew that this was going to go by really fast. We're almost done. We have a couple minutes left. I just want to know if there's a parting parting words you'd want to say to people that may be the beginning of this journey with the fire or dealing with another fire, if there's anything that you want to say to them as we part today. Um, Something I continue to try and learn through my life's ups and downs and, and the things that I help with and respond to is, although it can feel permanent at times, it is only temporary. And that temporary might be a long time, but, but understanding that and um, doing things that take care of yourself, it's not selfish, it's important. Um, and being willing to share those things with others. You know, sometimes wellness, mind, body, soul, wellness People can get uncomfortable and it's okay to be intentionally, thoughtfully uncomfortable. You know, and if you try box breathing and it wasn't for you, try something else, right? And so let's all just continue to be on this journey together um, in person, virtually, uh, the virtual world and keep on networking and supporting each other because we all deserve it. And um, I appreciate all of you and I'm here to learn and continue to grow and I can always be, be reached and, out and to. Scott, I want to make sure that um, if they want to get a hold of you, they can get a hold of you through the Boys and G- Girls Club in, in Butte County. Yeah. They can just Google that. or and what yeah, is Boys and Girls, bgcnv.org. The Boys and Girls Clubs of the North Valley. All my info is there and um, sending my love and strength and uh, let's not talk about it. Let's be about it. Let's make a move. Let's make a difference for each other, everybody. Scott, you just remind me of grace when I see you. So I just think, you know, we have to also remember grace right now when we're suffering and remember what else is true. Look around your community right now, if you're suffering and try to reach out maybe to that one person that seems like they need a little help. So until next week, um, we will wish you adieu and to remember, please, what else is true. And Scott, didn't thank you so much. I had a feeling when I first met you, I would see I would see you again. And I'm so glad that's happened many times now. So keep doing the great work that you're doing in the community and all those um, up there in the north in Oregon, you know, blessings to all of you. And may you have find some comfort. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karras, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within with host Elaine Miller-Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit traumaresourceinstitute.com.